Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three cr.org.au Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. For those listening on Sunday, thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue Diving Deep for the Marine News as they do every week, every Sunday from eleven thirty till noon. Three CR proudly broadcasting from the lands of the original inhabitants and paying respects to elders past and present and acknowledging our LGBTI elders, including sister girls and brother boys, for their unique contributions to diversity and intersectionality on and around our land. And welcome to listeners of all genders, including, but not limited, to ladies and gentlemen. And lots of ways to get in touch with um, Out of the Pan, out of the pan 855 at gmail.com, text 61401 078 981, you can look for me on Facebook or look for Out of the Pans page on Facebook or you can tweet at Sal Gold Said So and that's the bottom line. Well, very appropriate of um, always that we acknowledge our original inhabitants but particularly today because today is a, record, a recording of a panel that happened um, back in April um, this year and yours truly along with three other trans and gender diverse people uh, we're on a panel discussion at the Victorian Local Governance Association, which is really important because we still, of course, as we know, have many laws to fight for that are discriminatory and they're at the federal and state and territory levels. But as increasingly, of course, as more LGBTI people come out, we're going to be looking for service provision and local government, of course, is a big part of that, whether it's aged care, youth, homelessness, health in general, um, anything um, apart from that. So um, I'm going to have a chat. Um, have a listen to this panel today featuring four trans and gender diverse people, including yours truly. Um, we've got um, the fabulous Star Lady, so very appropriate that we acknowledge our original inhabitants, especially today. Um, Sim Kennedy, fabulous trans contributor, the Sam Lillett from Y Gender and myself. So let's dive in and have a listen if Auntie Sally can get the technology right, it all will be well, um, to a panel on the, from the Victorian Local Governance Association in April 2016. Trans or gender diverse are terms that refer to individuals whose gender identity is not typically associated with their assigned sex at birth. They are terms that recognise people's gender identity can be experienced in many ways not just within a binary concept of man or woman, having a non-binary understanding of gender. Transgender or gender diverse people might simply identify as male or female, man or woman, as both or neither. They may seek hormone treatment or gender affirmation surgery they may change their name socially or legally and or their gender markers on their documents. Or they may do some of these things or none of these things. There is no one way to be transgender or gender diverse. We must remember the value of inclusive language and be respectful for how people describe their own genders, bodies and relationships. There are many different ways in which trans and gender diverse people self-describe. Some include transgender, transsexual, sister girl, brother boy, trans man, trans woman, gender queer, agender, gender neutral, third gender and non-binary. As each term has different connotations, it's important to refer to people using 
particular language they choose to self-describe. It is vital that we not, do not misgender people. Gender pronouns are words we use to describe and imply their gender. Examples of pronouns are she, he, and they. But people, especially young people, may use pronouns for themselves, such as they, their, ze, or zia. If we do not know a person's preferred pronoun, or how they self-identify, you can ask them privately, wherever possible, and to be respectful. Our understanding of gender identity is rapidly changing, and local governments have a responsibility to recognise these changes to ensure that their services and infrastructure provide fair and equitable access for all people, including the trans and gender diverse community. Our laws are rapidly changing to address and reflect these changes. The passing of the Sex Discrimination Amendment Act in 2013 makes it illegal to, to discriminate against a person on the basis of their sexual orientation, gender identity and intersex status. Discrimination may be unlawful when it occurs in protected areas of public life, including employment, education, provision of goods, services and facilities. Local government does not need to go it alone. So don't let yourself be overwhelmed or intimidated by identities and language that may be foreign to you. There are established organisations that can assist you on your journey to becoming inclusive, including the Zobel Gender Centre, Transgender Victoria, Minus 18, Y Gender, the Rainbow Network and Gay and Lesbian Health Victoria are a few of the services that you can connect with to assist you along the way. There are training packages available, policies that have already been written and inclusive practice models that you can replicate. I implore you to design, create safe and accessible spaces for transgender and gender diverse community. Personally, I just love to be able to use the public bathrooms or change rooms, but rarely in public spaces do I feel safe to do so. When public facilities are divided into men's and women's facilities, I feel as a non-binary, trans-feminine person that I am denied equitable access to them. When I go swimming, I line up at the parents' room or disabled toilets, but I am terrified that I'm either going to have someone complain because I'm able-bodied and I shouldn't be using the disabled toilets, or accuse me of ill intent by hanging around the family room. Sometimes there's not even a disabled bathroom outside the gendered bathrooms. I'm left uncomfortable, holding on, or I rush into the ladies, head down, avoiding eye contact, hoping to avoid potential conflict. Unless, of course, they see the holy grail of toilets, gender-neutral bathrooms. <laughs> I'm not saying that all transgender or gender-diverse people need or even want to access gender-neutral facilities, but it is vital that people are given that option think and consult about how you design gendered spaces. Create private spaces within gendered facilities for transgender and gender diverse people wanting discretion for their body. And create more than just one gender neutral space. Uh, thank you for your time. And before you leave this session, I encourage you to commit to changing at least one practice within your local government to make it more inclusive for the transgender and gender diverse community. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Sim Kennedy. Sim is a white gender founder and former president, former GLBTI committee advisory group member for Darabin Council 2012, and Victorian Health Ministry Advisor Council 2013-14. He held previous roles in youth work several, for several years and recently changed in, into new industries. Three things also keep keeping Sim busy include being a big brother, musician and mediator. Meditator, sorry. <laughs>
Hey everyone, it's great to see that this forum has a trans panel in the main section of the program. Often at other forums in the past, this topic has been optional um, when people break away into the streams and it's not been prioritised when basically research suggests to prioritise it. Um, it's great to be on this panel with the current Wagenda president and everyone on the panel, continuing grassroots work on the ground in a community is the sort of community, I, I mean, the sort of community work that I think is most impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name, no, that intro has already been done. Um, Wagenda, founder, former president, former GLBTI advisory group member for Darabin and health ministers in the state. And um, I also do work now under the name Sinvicta. So um, much of what I bring to talk about today is related to my time in the community during my work for, this, for the four solid years at Wygender. We used to try to, well, we try to, no, used to, I'm not there anymore. We used to try to fulfill all requests till there was more community development and roles to refer more tasks to different groups and people easier. There's still a lot of gaps, but there was given even more. There's still a lot of gaps, but there was even more before. At that time, I finished a youth work degree and did work placement at Headspace National Office, which was interesting, and spent full-time hours on community work. Objectives and tasks would span over two pages, so I can't explain really what I did, but I moved through roles until projects were sustainable, considering the lack of resources. So, um, at that time anyway, there seems like a little bit more hope, maybe. There were certain projects that needed resourcing when there was high demands and certain things were flourishing and because it didn't get it, maybe some things didn't go certain directions it could have at certain times. But instead, often other organisations at that time, in my experience, didn't help our objectives as a collective and um, usually emailed when it was grant time um, to, for us to be youth participation and help more of their objectives, just a bit. But this is, there's a point to me saying this. Most of the organisations getting government funding those handful of years ago weren't yet trans-inclusive and it took movement in the trans circle to influence that network to have some sort of some of the great projects that they run and still fund now um, be so inclusive now. It required leaders of the trans population to educate and give time. Genderqueer and gender non-conforming identities were only beginning to be spoke about too and many more collectives began because of all the inspiration that was happening once the next and um, a lot more started being available online if you know where to look for the information. So one of my fondest memories is calling out and running the focus groups for Wagenda late 2010 because things began to happen that we could only dream about within the next five years. Like presence in the media, it's not always positive but it's actually talked about sometimes, events that connected as many peers as we did, and now many more organisations are inclusive, um, inspiring other collectives to begin. Government funding was received a little bit. So there was really some cultural change that occurred in our favour 
but still a long way to go, especially outside of the GBT bubble and outside of the professional world. I slowed down with trans advocacy and had no formal roles in the GLBT population last year for the first time in almost a decade. And I experienced going out in some masculine environments, stuff, not talking about being trans or intentionally actually feeling like I had to hide it. So some of those places were sports places, trades, work, the music scene, things felt that some paid work. Um, and I was reminded of the reality that I used to hear homophobic and transphobic slurs daily before I immersed myself in the community for a little while. As council workers, this is all relevant because it's happening somewhere in your region, most likely. Well, it's happening in all regions to some extent, possibly less in Darwin. It was fun when I lived there a short while for a year instead of the outer suburbs. Um, I can stand up for myself pretty well you know, these days as I've grown up, but when I was 15, for example, um, I moved schools twice. No, I think I talked about this. And um, it's really lovely sometimes when I go out to Dandenong near the library and I can see that the infrastructure, it allows space for youth to have a place a little bit more. And there is a group that runs some time of the year. I haven't been involved in one, but it's just nice to see because a decade ago, I called my council and there was nothing unless I wanted to jump on a bus for 40Ks and um, go see another group. And um, I was from the council nearby to Daniel, which didn't have anything at the time either. So in a way, like things have evolved in ways, but then in certain power structures, it, it goes backwards when we're making accomplishments down out here on the ground. So like, Things like safe schools, resources, getting cut, just because the project's working. And yeah, I've just mentioned why that's important, because I moved high school twice due to bullying back in those days. And um, yeah, certain bureaucratic systems, it's difficult, but with um, workers who genuinely care and raise questions, um, it's just, really important. Major issues like accessibility to the 40,000 Victorians that would access something called dialectical behavioural therapy if they're struggling with the traits of borderline personality disorder, which is a biosocial condition. So it's both internal psychophysiology and what's going on in the brain, but also due to what's happening socially and externally. And anyway, traits of that is suicidal behaviour and self-harm. And it happens, and it happens a lot in our population. Um, yeah. So... Let's have a pause there, um, have a couple of messages, and then come back to Sim Kennedy talking about... Um, the things that trans and gender diverse people face. A um, couple of quick messages and we'll return to the Victorian Local Governance Association panel on trans and gender diverse issues held in April 2016. to the Celtic Folk Show every Monday at 2pm presented by me, Anne McAllister on your community radio station 3CR
The Victorian Government LGBTI Community Grants Program has been established to foster the development of a sustainable and skilled LGBTI community sector in Victoria. The grants program consists of two funding streams, one for individual leaders and the other for organisations. The expression of interest process is now open. Please go to www.vic.gov.au forward slash equality for more information. A 3CR supporter. Indeed, um, you've got a week to go to get those grants written. Um, make sure that you um, get onto them this during the week sometime if you can, because if you've got questions, although things close on Sunday the 9th, understandably people will not be in their offices to ask answer questions, but it's, the website's pretty self-explanatory about what it's all about. You don't have to write every dot and comma, just get your dot points in, roughly what sort of money you're asking for. Um, so it's a really good idea to see what the community needs in detail. We know we need a heck of a lot, as Sim said, um, not enough GLBTI infrastructure. And, of course, that can vary within LGBTI. There's some you know, reasonable knowledge now of lesbian and gay. I think it's a fair comment to make, but um, trans and trans-binary. But well, then you start getting into the more stuff that goes beyond binaries to whatever degree, being trans, non-binary, bisexual and intersex. Binary, hashtag binary busting to do. Now, I should add, if anyone was distressed by any content mention of suicide in some of Sim's comments, um, please contact QLife 1800 184 527 or Lifeline 131114. In the meantime, let's get back to um, Sim on the Victorian Local Government Governance Association panel in April 2016. Um. Yet 40,000 people would access a program like that if it was publicly funded and it's not, most regions don't offer that program, for example. So it's hard um, for everyone because when people need that intensive support, it's hard to know where to refer them and um, people need private health insurance to access some of the programs that do exist when things are at that intensity. Like, there are things out there, but not every region, and it's, yeah, I'll just get back to this. <laughs> um, if you ask the distance without a team and partnerships, I'm saying as an advocate, you sometimes get your messages heard in the silos, and it's hard. Um, when you're repeating yourself for a while and things aren't heard. Because, yeah, there's just not accountability in certain systems. But participation and game plans with us, meaning LGBTI people and everyone who fits under those umbrellas, um, participation and game plans with us from the initial stages from the start helps us really go further, all of us go further when we have those partnerships. So um, I'm still connected to the community online and I see updates of those I met. Oh, I'm going over time. And I see updates of those I met during early intervention stages. Um, possibly my age, younger or older than me. And, um, yeah, just things come up at the time because, yeah, in reality, a lot of people aren't being engaged still. Um, it's not all bad, like, some of us, work it out and um, get really on track, but there's um, a whole heap of things. I just list a bunch of issues here, scribbled on this page. If I read them out all really fast, like, I didn't want to focus even writing it. It's, it's naming a lot of issues if I just I got multiple Facebooks and one of them was just a lot of trans people and I compare that one to the other one, just all the issues that come up because there's more prominence. It's just a little bit overwhelming. So I won't um I'm running over time, so I won't read all those things out. But basically the question at the end of it is 
Um, can we see overall that there is enough workers, resources and projects to combat these issues? And, and are they trans-inclusive? Do they have the time? Or are they too stretched in their work plans? With no co-workers allowing time in their work plans? Like, realistically, um, how much from what you can see do people have to give to help combat these issues and all these gaps. The point is um, holistic services and just in current structures in some places there's almost no way to offer it in certain regions. So anyway, thank you for inviting me today as an individual. My name is Sim Kennedy and also doing creative and music projects under the name Sim Victor. I personally think the way forward for dis disadvantaged demographics is to look at a concept called transitional demands. Now, um, each population's advocacy fits into these larger political demands and if organisations work to take culture and economics in that direction, it means work is effective. But um, you know, sometimes you have to have a softer approach to it and all that. Um, but um, people will have to be curious about all this ongoingly and understand and implement it. It's great to see such skilled people in roles showing allyship and allowing high levels of involvement with us. Thank you. Stay curious and please contemplate these effective questions. Tim Kennedy talking at the Victorian Local Governance Association about connection and holistic services. You know, yes, we still, I think, need um, trans-specific and, for that matter, for various parts and or all of GLBTI, specific services and safe spaces. But the more we can get into broader community, I think that's really important as well, and just be a part of the whole, which is our right. All right, let's have a little bit of music. Let's get you up and moving with Ember Wall and dance 3cr 855 am digital 3cr.org.au and on demand out of the pan with sally the fab voice of emma wall and dance from the sneak album i only played it because i can say sneak 3cr 855 am digital 3cr.org.au thanks for listening to out of the pan well and yes thank you to people of all genders for listening to the show well, um, we've heard from two of our four panellists thus far, being Sim and Star Lady. Let's roll it on now with the fabulous Sam Lillett from Ygender, um, Victorian Local Governance Association panel, April 2016, on Out of the Pan. So our culture and our idea of our own uh, gender identities is something that we're constantly exploring and changing, and that is changing rapidly. And how do you, as service providers, keep up with those changes? How do you engage the community, the trans and gender diverse community, to see that those services are appropriate for them? Uh, Sam Lilit is a genderqueer person and president of Ygender, a support and advocacy organisation for trans and gender diverse youth. And is somebody that you all really need to be uh, consulting and connecting with. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> so, as Sally said, I'm president of Y-Agenda, which is run entirely by trans and gender diverse young people, so under 25. And I'm also a volunteer with Minus 18, which is again run entirely by LGBTI young people, all under 25. And so one of the biggest recommendations I can give for making local councils more inclusive of transgender and diverse people is have those projects led and designed by us. Minus 18, we've just put on the same sex and gender diverse formal with 600 young attendees. One 
Legend, uh, we've got events on almost every week first to provide safe spaces is for transgender diverse people to be themselves and explore their identity amongst others like them and both of those organisations are being run entirely by us. There are incredible amounts of talent within those communities and people that have a lot to offer and so providing that space for us to design our own programs is one of the best ways to keep up with the changing <coughs> needs and identities within the community because we're right there on the ground and experiencing this as we go. However, one of the downsides there can lead to a lot of activist burnout. Finding funding within your programs to pay the young people you employ. If you're asking a group of young people to design and run a program, it's really important to then provide them with that support, both on a professional level of here are the workers within the council who can consult with and who will support this program and here is an economic investment for your time. There's a tendency to take advantage of particularly in young people and transgender diverse people as expertise in, in the field but not recognize that that lived experience and that kind of expertise is just as valuable as the kind of expertise when you bring in a professional in the field to work with you there. So that's the first thing that I would say. The second is engaging with organizations that already exist. I've mentioned Y Gender and Man City, Stella, you mentioned Zoe Belgium in the center. You'll hear from Stella about transgender retire and bisexual alliance a little bit later. All of these organizations are incredible and doing a lot of work. So engaging with the programs that we're already running and supporting those where possible is also a really good way to bring the resources you have with the experience and connections to the community that we have and to put those together. The next thing is on making sure that the programs that you have already existing are inclusive of trans and diverse young people, even if they're not specifically for trans people or LGBTI people. Having spaces that are trans specific is really important for a lot of us because it's one of the few spaces where we can just be ourselves and not have to worry about how our gender is being read and whether or not this place will be inclusive. But for a lot of young people, people don't want to always only be in trans spaces. You want to have access to all of the programs and all of the resources that everyone else does as well. So even basic things like looking at your forms and seeing, do you ask what gender we are? Do you just have male and female there? And how alienating is that going to be? Asking whether you really need to collect gender for this particular program, and if it is necessary, is there a reason that you can't just have gender filled with a blank? Is there a reason you can't deal with the same of names and let people identify themselves in the language that they are most comfortable with? Things like pronouns. When you introduce yourself, are you stating your pronouns? Are you signaling to the people there that this is a safe space for them to request specific pronouns as well? It's things like that, being proactive about signaling that you are willing to be trans inclusive that makes a huge difference. You might be the most supportive and kind and understanding worker they'll ever come across, but I as a young trans person coming into the service have no way of knowing that. And who feels comfortable asking that and whether or not people will feel comfortable to speak up about their needs will be very dependent on how you first present this program. If the first thing someone experiences walking in is seeing the gendered bathrooms that Starling talked about, a form that implies that non-binary people don't exist, and, and nothing else in there to do with gender, that's not a safe space to come on that. That's not a safe space to tell you that I'm transgender because I have no idea how you will react. And you almost certainly do have transgender people already participating in your program. And waiting for an out and activist trans person to get involved before you make these changes harms the trans people who are already there. Because it means that uh, we're in a position of either having to hide our identities or coming to you for services and finding that we're again in the role of an educator. And that's not an easy thing to do over and over again, particularly if that's not what they're there for. So making these changes before that happens, before you have a trans person asking 
okay, can you explain to everyone that they have to use the right pronouns for me? And can you explain to everyone why it's not okay if you use a name other than the one I've given you as my name? It is really stressful for a lot of trans people. And when you're engaging with, with those transgender people and those organizations, looking at how wide a range of organizations you can engage with is also really important. My experience as a non-binary, a Jewish person in a metropolitan area is radically different to that uh, of a trans person of color in a regional area. So how wide is that engagement and how well are we doing at that? Do we have uh, sign language interpreters at our events? Have we asked people what kind of accessibility needs they have? Uh, is there a space to anonymously request a certain changes so that that pressure, that stigma doesn't fall directly on one person? And are you assuming that you know more about me than I do? One of the most common experiences in devising these services is that we'll come into an organization, we'll be working with them in a partnership, but because they've had experience running a particular kind of program, they'll talk over the trans people who are explaining that what normally works for the majority of people may not work for us because our needs are somewhat different. So recognizing that it's a collaboration. You're bringing this expertise and experience from the programs that you're used to running and your experiences within local government, and we're bringing that expertise and experience as transgender people with what our needs are. And that, that means that for any of these programs to work, we need to be approaching this on an equal footing. We need to be willing to find compromises there instead of saying, well, this is the way it's always been done, and we can't change that. Any and that comes up asking, why can't we change that? What is the barrier? Is there something that we can work around? And when we're looking at mental health programs, one of the most important things I need to remember is that these increased rates of mental illnesses within the trans community isn't because we're transgender. It's because of the transphobia and barriers of discrimination that trans people face. My gender does not harm me. The people who who will treat me differently or refuse to accept my gender is what harms me. So making sure that you know, if you're saying that your service, your mental health service is inclusive of trans people, does that just mean that the council will ask us the right pronouns and use the current name? Or does that mean the councillor has experience with transgender people, has consulted with transgender organisations about what things trans people particularly want from their councillors? And does it mean that if I as a trans person come in for a mental health service that's irrelevant to my gender? If the problem is about high school being stressful or I just started university and don't know what's happening or something's happening at home, can I talk to someone who will respect my gender and use their pronouns but remember that, that that might be separate from what else is going on? So that summary that there is programs led by the, the groups you're trying to support but are great because as they allow us to define our own identity using write our own ideas and we understand how it's best and respecting that the trans person in question will decide how much of their gender is currently relevant to the particular service they're looking for. There it is, Sam Lillett. Um they are the president of Y-Gender. Let's um, have a couple of quick messages and then um, you'll hear from what yours, yours, yours truly had to say. At the Victorian Local Governance Association panel um, on trans and gender diverse issues as part of that um, full day forum held in um, April 2016. 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. On Sunday, the 9th of October, 3CR opens its doors to the community and invites you to come in and celebrate 40 years of radical radio. There'll be an awesome afternoon tea, roving musicians, special on-air broadcasts, and the opportunity to step into the studio and get behind the mic. There'll also be face painting for the kids, stalls, rolling station tours, and the chance to purchase, for the first time, 3CR 40th birthday T-shirt. Come in and enjoy your community radio station. 3CR, open day, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sunday the 9th of October, 
12 to 4 p.m. See you all there. Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. Great idea. And of course, you can do that um, next Sunday, October the 9th, as, as you heard. Um, the open day, um, come in. This is a face for radio, and those immortal words might have to be just for once. Make up, make up, and all that sort of thing. And groove on in. And of course, um, coming up in the next week or so is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And that music, as I've mentioned, always makes me, I don't know, go a bit klezmer, darlings. All right, let's um, wrap up the last of the speakers on the Victorian Local Governance Association. And, well, I suppose I introduced myself. Let's see what, um, for once, I had something to say. 3CR 855 AM Digital, um, to, um, replaying the Trans and Gender Diverse Forum as part of the Victorian Local Governance Association Day in April 2016. Uh, just quickly, I just want you to turn to the person next to you, uh, introduce yourself and say what your pronoun is. My name's Star Lady. My pronouns are she, her and hers. Person, 
who happens to be at one part transgender diverse, not some of the other parts. Um, I think for one thing is I'm now aware that there's, I think, to some fair extent, differences in the experience across age cohorts. The experience of youth today, um, the fact that at least you've got this thing called a search engine, you can type in, let's say it was me now, I feel like I identify as female, and we can get some stuff coming up. Uh, I didn't have that at four years old in 1970 when I first had some awareness. And I think seriously, for our older, what I call also the middle cohort, roughly 30 to 55-ish, who are still coming out later, that's a really critical issue. There's that lifetime, sadly, of negativity. And I think it's important we acknowledge that. One thing that was touched on at last year's LGBTIH and aged care service is that as we are getting more trans and genders, and for that matter, LGB and I people, beginning to get through, there's that underlying, and I'll use my own words to describe myself, it's like a morass of stuff from the earlier part of life that can come up. And I think we need to be aware of that, and I'd like to see whether it's local, state or federal government programs that look at that for middle and senior cohort people. And I totally acknowledge and affirm the great work that's happening in schools with Safe Schools Coalition and Y Gender and Minus. And I've got to say in relation to the fall, I've already put my name down to be top of the waiting list next year to be a guardian angel. Hashtag Auntie Sally moment. <laughs> so that's age. Another one which again has been touched on culturally and linguistically diverse people. As I mentioned, generally, if you are Anglo-Saxon, secular, yeah, it's going to be a little generally a bit easier. But say generally now, we're getting lots of traction on all sorts of areas. Um, last week, TGB's training took us to Hamilton. It took us to Macedonia Community Welfare in Caroline Springs. The next day, we were at United Care in Kingsville, then down to Frankston. Um, we certainly got our frequent kilometre points up, but this is good. But it is important to realise that for some culturally and linguistically diverse groups, there's still not the awareness. And the other part of that is terminology. Uh, what words that we might use here, like trans and gender diverse, may mean nothing to someone from another country, or there's different meanings. Uh, what we in Australia would use the term transvestite for someone who has a sense of arousal by wearing clothing of another gender. Well, in Thailand, that has a different meaning. For example, I think it's important to be aware of that as much as I, as someone who is of white background, can talk about that. Similarly, religion was touched on earlier. Um, I think it is fair to say that Christianity and Judaism, I'm willing to go with that, are now pretty parallel to wider society, at least in Melbourne metro. But of course, there's still issues if someone is trans and Islamic, for example and having dealt with a couple of situations of that recently where people have come and had a chat, yeah, it's still very challenging. I'd certainly commend the group Mahara, M-A-R-H-A-B-A, which is an LGBTI and Islamic group as one source of support. I've touched also on the different needs of trans women, trans men and non-binary, I want to mention it again. Um, you know, yes, lots of visibility for trans women, it's often when I run a training session, you say to people, who are the famous trans men? But I say recorded female at birth and identifies male. And yeah, sure, you'll get a few hands. Oh, some in shoes kid. Yeah, right, chased by her. And then it's, who else? And yes, it's a silence. And I feel the invisibility of trans men is still of concern. And I would like to see that shift. And it's good that we're getting that bits of representation. Page figures for people may have heard of it's on X Factor at a local level, but I'd still like to see more and be aware of their unique issues. Um, for example, such as the need um, that given that 99.99% of trans men don't have a phallus, they're still going to need pap smears. So health services need to be aware of those issues. And also non binary, which I think has already been well covered, and the need for inclusive forms, services, change rooms as well. Just to throw one quick personal experience in. Um, I think it's a great place, and I'm not seeing the place out, but I went to the Adelaide's Peninsula Hot Springs a couple of years ago. You know, you get in the hot springs and you come out and they have to pull you back into your body shape. So <laughs> relaxed. <laughs> but the thing was, I, mean, I still have, feel uncomfortable in women's changing room. I'm open about the fact. 
which I discussed in forums like say and I had surgery, I don't want to get changed in a common area. Try to have some parts of your changing rooms, however they are, with what I call private cubicles in them. And there's lots of people, I think, who want that. People who have birthmarks or burns or amputees. You know, people who just want some privacy, all sorts of reasons to have a few cubicle barriers for changing and showering. Really important. What else? Um, now, to trans and gender diverse gender identity, yes, it's a separate issue to sexual orientation and romantic attraction, which is another thing. Trans and gender diverse people are all sexual orientations. We could be attracted to our own gender identity, go lesbian, another gender identity, heterosexual. Thank you for the leading by mentioning Bisexual Alliance Victoria. It is a concern to me, and this is where I sometimes say when I talk by, this is the bonus set of statements that you get on top of the talk. I don't, actually don't feel like saying that, so I'm increasingly concerned that by still being raised or it's being tucked in with gamers, it's your own unique situation. It has its own advantages. As uh, we say, we're, we're, we're not greedy, just fussy, but um, <laughs> the thing is, seriously, we're still, bi people are still being singled out at Pride March for biphobic slurs, and that's horrendous. Every year since 2006, no matter what we do, and so by someone who's bi and trans, I'm naturally biased, I think bi and trans people are incredibly awesome. <laughs> I think we can bring a lot of value to society in understanding gender. But unfortunately, reality is some bi and trans people face double marginalisation. And the other part of sexual orientation, which I can't speak for personally, but want to mention, is asexuality. And there's a group called the Melbourne Aces. AVEN is the best world website, or a good world website on this. Trans people can be asexual as well. We can be any sexual or romantic attraction. What else? Now, here's one. And this is where what I call unconscious bias may come in. I was sort of, I wouldn't say astounded, it's not quite the word, but recently I learned from the fabulous Vixen Collective, who are an organisation who works with people working in the sex industry, that 60% of people working in the sex industry are LGBTIQ. That most surprised people, we tend to think of sex workers, females servicing males, not necessarily so. And that leads to all sorts of things that may need to be aware as part of your training. You know, there's a tendency to think of sex work as dangerous as the problem, or parallel to what was said, it's not trans that's the issue for people, it's the discrimination we face. To give one example that Jane Breen from Vixen Collective has spoken about, people have been thrown out of university courses like medicine and nursing because they either have been or are people working in the sex industry. What is the problem? So this is the sort of discrimination that happens, and for trans sex workers it can be that double whammy thing of double marginalisation. The other side, of course, is there's lots of trans people who work in the sex industry quite happily and will say with their own free choice. And so don't quite ask people to be aware of any ideas people have about the sex industry if someone discloses they are a trans person working in the sex industry. Going to have to leave it there cut myself short. Um, so much to talk about, but a great panel, a great day organised by the Victorian Local Governance Association back in April 2016. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.